Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lem was told to guard the still. What he wanted was to go after the Martins. The Martins and the Coys had been feuding for some time, and there was nothing better than shooting a Martin. Or was there? That's next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. We appreciate you supporting our podcast. Every story you hear and many more are available on our website, lostsci-fi.com. Every short sci-fi story under an hour is available every day for only 97 cents. Lost Sci-Fi Books 1 through 40. 40 Lost Sci-Fi Short Stories, more than 20 and a half hours long. Only available on our website and for only $14.97, which is a great price. But as a Lost Sci-Fi Podcast listener, you get it for a limited time for only $9.88. Go to LostSciFi.com and when you go to purchase books 1 through 40, enter promo code PODCAST to get this special price exclusively for Lost Sci-Fi listeners. Your honest 5-star ratings and positive reviews on Apple Podcasts are really appreciated. Thanks to MXSandy12 for their recent 5-star rating and review awesome look into old-school sci-fi. Love this pod. A perfect pod for people who love the genre. Thanks, MX Sandy. Today's author on Lost Sci-Fi led a very interesting life. He was a popular and prolific author, starting his sci-fi career with the short story Isolationist, which ran in the April 1950 edition of Fantastic Adventures magazine. Fantastic Adventures got its start in 1939 
and was almost canceled in 1940. But the October issue that year had unexpectedly good sales. So the magazine continued until March 1953. Our author sold another six stories to Fantastic Adventures in 1950 and 12 more in 1950, which were published in Out of This World Adventures, Startling Stories, and others. A year later, his first novel hit store shelves in 1951, titled The Case of the Little Green Men. It's believed that the first use of the term Little Green Men in reference to extraterrestrials in a newspaper dates back to 1908. It can be found in the oldest newspaper in Maine, the Daily Kennebec Journal. The 1951 novel, The Case of the Little Green Men, is still available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle formats. A decade would pass before this author would release another novel in 1961. There were 22 novels in the 1960s, 35 in the 70s, and 10 more in the 1980s. In addition to his almost 70 novels, he wrote almost 200 short stories. Born Dallas McCord Reynolds on November 11, 1917, in Corcoran, California, he is best known as Mac Reynolds. But like most of his successful contemporaries, he had a variety of pen names, including Dallas Ross, Mark Mallory, Clark Collins, Guy McCord, Maxine Reynolds, Bob Belmont, and Todd Harding. His family moved to Baltimore in 1918, and his father became a member of the Socialist Labor Party, or SLP. He joined the Socialist Labor Party while he was still in high school, and shortly thereafter began touring the country with his father, giving lectures and speeches about SLP. His father, Vern LaRue Reynolds, was the Socialist Labor Party presidential candidate in both 1928 and 1932. After high school graduation, Reynolds began his writing career as a reporter for the Catskill Morning Star and then as editor of the weekly Oneonta News. He moved back to California and continued his work for the Socialist Labor Party even campaigning with SLP presidential candidate John Aiken in 1940. He attended the U.S. Army Marine Officers Cadet School and joined the U.S. Army Transportation Corps in 1944 and was stationed in the Philippines as a ship's navigator until 1945. He married his first wife in 1937 and was divorced in 1945. A year later, his first fiction sale, What is Courage?, was published in Esquire magazine. In 1947, he married his second wife, and she agreed to support him for two years to get his writing career off the ground. Reynolds and his new wife moved to Taos, New Mexico. His career took off. He then moved to Mexico and Greece, Yugoslavia, Algeria, Morocco, Spain, Eastern Europe, Finland, India, Japan, and Hong Kong. When he wrote How to Retire Without Money under the pen name Bob Belmont, it caused the National Executive Committee of the Socialist Labor Party 
to charge Reynolds with supporting the fraudulent claims of capitalist apologists, and he resigned his membership in SLP. Lem didn't like guarding the still while Pa and the boys went feuding. He wanted to get a shot at some Martins, too. Yup, he sure did. From Imagination Stories of Science and Fantasy in June 1951, The Martians and the Coys by Mac Reynolds. Ma Coy climbed the fence down at the end of the south pasture and started up the side of the creek, carrying her bundle over her shoulder and puffing slightly at her exertion. She forded the creek there at the place where Hank's old coon dog, Jigger, was killed by the boar three years ago come next hunting season. Jumping from rock to rock across the creek made her puff even harder. Ma Coy wasn't as young as she once was. On the other side, she rested a minute to light up her pipe and to look carefully about before heading up the draw. She didn't really expect to see any Martins around here, but you never knew. Besides, there might have been a revenue agent. They were getting mighty thick and mighty uppity these days. You'd think the government would have more to do than bother honest folks trying to make an honest living. The pipe lit. Ma swung the bundle back over her shoulder and started up the draw. Pa and the boys, she reckoned, were probably hungry as a passel of hound dogs by now. She'd have to hurry. When she entered the far side of the clearing, she couldn't see any signs of them, so she yelled, You Pa, you Hank and Zeke? Ma Coy liked to give the men folks warning before she came up on the still. Hank, in particular, was mighty quick on the trigger sometimes, but there wasn't any answer. She trudged across the clearing to where the still was hidden in a cluster of pines. Nobody was there but Lem. She let the bundle down and glowered at him. Lem, you no account? Why didn't you answer me when I hollered? He grinned at her vacuously, not bothering to get up from where he sat whittling, his back to an old oak. Huh? he said. A thin trickle of brown ran down from the side of his mouth and through the stubble on his chin. I said, how come you didn't answer when I hollered? He said, you called Paul and Hank and Zeke. You didn't holler for me. What you got there, Ma, huh? His watery eyes were fixed on the bundle. Ma Coy sighed deeply and sat down on a tree stump. Now what you think I got there, Lamb? I've been a-bringing your vittles to you every day since Pa and you boys started up this new still. Where's Pa and Zeke and Hank? Lem scratched himself with the stick he'd been whittling on. Well, he went off scouting around for the revenuers, or maybe the Martins. He let his mouth fall open and peered wistfully into the woods. He added, I wish I could shoot me a Martin, Ma. I wish I could. I sure wish I could shoot me a Martin. The idea excited him. He brought his hulking body to its feet and went over to pick up an ancient shotgun from where it leaned against a mash barrel. 
Ma Coy was taking corn pone, some cold fried salt pork, and a quart of black strap molasses from her bundle and arranging it on the top of an empty keg. You mind yourself with that gun now, Lamb. Mind how you shot up your foot that time. Lamb didn't hear. He was stroking the stock of the shotgun absently. I could do it easy, he muttered. I could shoot me a Martin easy. I sure could, Ma. I'd show Hank and Zeke. I would. You forget about the Martin, son, Ma Coy said softly. You're my simple son. There's at least one in every family, mostly more, and it ain't fitting that you get into fights. You got a strong back, strongest in the hills, but you're too simple, Lem. I ain't as simple as Jim Martin, Ma, Lem protested. Son, they don't come no more simple than you, his mother told him gently. And mind that gun. You know how you bent that barrel of Zeke's Winchester back double that time? Absent-minded, like. He stroked the gunstock, patted it, half in anger, half in protest. His lower lip hung down in a pout. You stop talking that away, Ma, he growled, or I'll lair up you one. Ma Coy didn't answer. She reckoned she'd better set off into the woods and see if she could locate the rest of the men folks so they could eat. Lem said under his breath, I could shoot me a Martin real easy. I could. To the Most High, the glorious, the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, the Lord of the Seven, the leader of the chosen, Neo-Geek 38. In regard to testing of special weapons designed to eliminate present population of the third planet with the eventual view of colonizing. From Seagill One, commander of Space Cruiser 12B-44. Your Omnipotence. Upon the receipt of your orders, we proceeded to the planet in question, known to its inhabitants as Earth or Terra, first touching at its satellite, Luna, in order to pick up the observation group which has been studying the potential foe for several decals. Commander of the observation group, Baron Darl, has enjoyed the reputation of being our most outstanding authority on Earthlings. It has been principally through his recommendations that the secret, supplementary weapons worked upon for the past decal were devised. Baron Darl has successfully deciphered the principal language of Earth, and through listening to their radio emanations has compiled a formidable work on his findings. But of his abilities, more later. It might be added here that Baron Darl and all his group were more than ready to proceed to Earth and begin the slaughter of its inhabitants. It seems that these investigators have for decals listened most carefully to every radio emanation possible to pick up. This has evidently led them to the edge of complete frenzy, especially those who have been assigned the morning programs, sometimes known as soap operas by the earthlings. Baron Darl inspected the newly created weapons with considerable care and proclaimed them excellent for our purposes. In particular, he was impressed with the IQ depressor, the deadly poison narc, 
and the lepbonic plague-carrying fleas. He was convinced that these secret weapons would give our forces that advantage we seek before launching our all-out attack upon Earth. Acting on Darrell's suggestions, we avoided the more heavily populated areas of Earth and landed our space cruiser in a mountainous area of the planet known as Kentucky, a subdivision of the United States of America, one of the more advanced Earth nations. Our plans did not work out exactly as expected. Keeping well in mind the need for secrecy, we made every attempt to land the space cruiser without detection. We settled in a small valley near a stream and immediately sent out scouts to determine if there was any sign that our craft had been sighted in descent. Evidently, the population of the vicinity was so small that our plans were successful. Our patrols reported only one small group of earthlings in the immediate area. Deciding to test the new weapons on this gathering, we disembarked a force of a dozen warriors, all disguised as earthlings, and with myself as commander, and Baron Darl as our technical advisor. We must keep our senses alert for Sam Spade, Superman, and the Lone Ranger, Baron Darl said nervously, peering around among the strange exotic trees and other vegetation that grows on Earth. I was somewhat surprised at his tone and obvious unease. Who? I asked. What? Three Terran warriors of amazing ability and viciousness, he told me. I have been gathering reports of their activities from the radio for some time. They seem to have clairvoyant minds. One or the other of them almost invariably appears on the scene of violence. I said impatiently, Without doubt our weapons would mean the end of these warriors. I did not share his belief that any earthling warriors might be our equals or superiors. But to remain on the cautious side, I immediately ordered that the Electno be switched on. This weapon, one of the several designed for the Earth campaign, as your omnipotence is undoubtedly aware, is so constructed as to prevent the use of any internal combustion engine within a dozen miles of the Electno. In this case, no aircraft nor landcraft utilizing internal combustion could enter our zone. Baron Darl seemed somewhat relieved at this precaution, but his attitude to a certain extent began to affect the rest of us. To prepare for any eventuality, I had the fission suppressor activated. This, of course, automatically made it impossible for nuclear fission to take place within a hundred miles of our ship. That measure pleased Baron Darl exceedingly in view of the fact that the Earth nations seemed to be spending practically all of their military appropriations on their so-called A-bombs and H-bombs. According to the radio emanations our Luna base had picked up, the Earthlings were interested in little else in a military way, except possibly bacteriological weapons. And, of course, we were prepared to deal them a strong blow along that line with our lepbonic plague-spreading fleas. At any rate, knowing that we had suppressed the use of their major weapon, the fission bomb, and had prevented transportation from entering the vicinity, 
we proceeded toward the clearing where the earthlings had gathered, determined to test the IQ depressor, narc, and the lepbonic plague fleas, for it was upon the success of these weapons that our Earth campaign depended. We proceeded with care toward the clearing on the edge of which our scouts had detected the earthlings, and carefully approached from behind the one specimen we saw there. Evidently, the others had gone off. Baron Darl, the only member of our little group who was familiar with the language, acted as spokesman, and we concealed, for the moment at least, the purpose of our visit. The following conversation was recorded by Baron Darl himself, and later translated as literally as possible into our own superior language. Earthling. Huh? What's that? Baron Darl. Have no fear. Earthling. Revenuers. Paw. Hank. The meaning of the word revenuers was completely unknown to Baron Darl, but from the Earthling's tone of voice, it is to be assumed that the term is a derogatory one. Baron Darl, we are not revenuers. We are friends. Earthling, huh? Baron Darl, we are not revenuers. We are friends. Earthling, suspiciously. Well, you can't have no free corn, if that's what you're looking for. Can't buy none, either. Paul won't sell no raw corn. Says corn ain't fitting to drink unless it's been aged a week. This conversation seemed to puzzle Baron Darl, and I was beginning to suspect already that his knowledge of the earthlings was somewhat less than he had led me to believe. Baron Darl. Where are the others? Earthling. Huh? This continual inability on the Earthling's part to understand the questions put to him by Baron Darl also caused me to wonder whether or not the decals spent on Luna in observing Earth were quite as fruitful as they might have been. Baron Darl, where are the others? Earthling, oh, you mean Ma and Pa and Hang and Zeke? They're off looking for Martins. Your omnipotence is, of course, aware that in the language of the earthlings, our glorious planet is known as Mars, and we, as Martians, or evidently as this earthling pronounced it, Martins. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
This information was, as you can well imagine, startling, since we had supposed that our landing had been made in the most complete secrecy. What means they had utilized to discover us is unknown. Baron Darl. Uh, and er, what made them suspect there were Martians in the vicinity? Earthling. Huh? Baron Darl. What made Ma and Pa and Hank and Zeke think there were Martians around? Earthling. Oh. Baron Darl. What made them think there were Martians about? Earthling. Pa says he can smell him a Martin from most twenty miles away. Pa's got a regular feeling for Martins like. Pa'd rather shoot him a Martin than eat fried chicken. I wish I could shoot me a Martin. I wish. Yup, I sure wish I could shoot me a Martin. I wish. This sixth sense of some of the earthlings had been unsuspected by Baron Darl in spite of his decals of investigation. Evidently, the earthlings have an unusual ability to detect the presence of alien life forms. Also surprising was the fact that the Earthlings were evidently aware of our plans to conquer their planet and were already worked up to a pitch of patriotism, which made them extremely anxious to destroy us. Baron Darl turned to me and explained that there were four more of the Earthlings in the woods searching for us and that undoubtedly they would soon return. He suggested that we immediately try some of our weapons upon this specimen. The plan seemed feasible enough, so I ordered one of the warriors to find a suitable liquid in which to place a portion of the poison narc. Ultimate plans, as you are aware, had been to drop by spacecraft small containers of narc in the reservoirs, rivers, and lakes of the earthlings. One drop was designated to be, as your omnipotence knows, sufficient to poison a reservoir capable of supplying the water needs of a hundred thousand earthlings. Although water was not available, the warrior was soon able to find what was obviously a container for some type of beverage. It was nearly full of a colorless fluid. The following conversation then took place between Baron Darl and the Earthling. Baron Darl. What is this? Earthling. Huh? Oh, that's White Mule. Yep, sure is. Baron Darl. Puzzled. I thought a mule was a four-legged animal of burden, particularly noted for kicking. Earthling. Vaguely. Paul's white mule's got lots of kick in it. Yup. Upon finding it was a beverage, as we had suspected, a small quantity of narc was quickly inserted. Baron Darl. Try a drink. Earthling. What say? Baron Darl. Have a drink. Earthling. Uh, maybe I will. But don't tell Paul. Paul says I'm simple enough without no white mule. Here he took a long draught without seeming effect, although we were expecting him to fall dead at our feet. We stood there staring at him, unbelievingly. Earthling. That tasted mighty good. Got more of a kick than usual. Yup, sure did. 
tasted like maybe somebody put in a wallop of turpentine. He seemed perfectly at ease. I turned to Baron Darl and snapped. The type of poison you recommended seems less than effective. Baron Darl was obviously shocked. It is inconceivable, he said. Possibly the fluid in which we dissolved the narc acted as an antidote. I turned my back on him angrily. I begin to wonder about the effect of your other weapons. He waved to one of the warriors who had been burdened with the IQ depressor. We'll try this immediately, he said, anxiety in his tone. While the machine was being readied, Baron Darl explained its workings to me in some detail. Meanwhile, the earthling continued to sip at the jug, which supposedly contained sufficient poison to eliminate an average large Terran city. As you know, Baron Darl told me, the mine, whether of earthlings or Martian type, is capable of being either stimulated or depressed. For hundreds of decals, our race has possessed chemicals capable of such depression or stimulation. However, to my knowledge, this device is the only one yet developed which can suppress the intelligence quotient of anyone within an area of many square miles. The plan for utilizing it is a simple but effective one. When we confront a body of earthling soldiery, our men need only to turn on the IQ depressor to turn the enemy into brainless idiots. Their defeat would then obviously be quite simple. Very well, I told him stiffly. Let us proceed to try it on this earthling. The device seemed quite elementary in construction. Baron Darl activated it by the simple flicking of a switch. We ourselves, of course, were immune to its workings, since it was tuned only to the Earth-type brain. It is now in operation? I asked Baron Darl. Definitely. Watch the Earthling. I am watching. The supposed top authority on Earth and Earthlings approached the specimen and eyed him carefully. The following conversation ensued. Baron Darl. How do you feel? Earthling. Huh? Baron Darl seemed pleased at this response, and indeed it would seem that the subject was on the verge of idiocy. Baron Darl. How do you feel? Earthling. I guess I feel fine. Yep, yep, feel fine. How do you feel, stranger? Baron Darl, scowling. Does your head feel somewhat different? Does your mind seem more sluggish? Earthling. Huh? Baron Darl. Does your thinking seem weaker? Earthling. No, can't say it does, stranger. Fact is, it'd be pretty hard to make my thinking much weaker. Yup, sure would. Baron Darl stared at him for a long period, unbelievingly. Obviously, the IQ depressor had been worthless as far as undermining the Earthling's intelligence is concerned. Finally, this alleged authority on Earthlings and upon Earth affairs flashed a look of despair at me and at the others of us who stood around him. The fleas, he blurted finally. The Leponic Plague flees. This weapon alone might well destroy the whole population of Earth. Bring the fleas!
I said coldly. We shall see, Baron Darrow. Then to one of the warriors, Bring the fleas that carry this so deadly, so Baron Darrow tells us, lepbonic plague. The earthling was ignoring us now, and had gone back to taking an occasional drink from his jug. Our warrior approached carefully from behind him and dropped a half-dozen of the supposedly deadly insects upon the earthling's back. We then stood back and watched cautiously. According to Baron Darl, the fast-spreading disease should take effect almost immediately. The earthling sat there, the IQ depressor still turned on, but obviously unable to lower his intelligence and iota. He continued to sip from the jug of white mule, which had enough narc in it to kill thousands. Occasionally, he scratched himself. I guess I'll take me a nap, he said thickly, his words slurred. He scratched himself once again, yawned deeply and slumped against the tree, obviously in sleep. Baron Darl looked at me triumphantly. The reaction is somewhat differently than we'd expected, but obviously the fleas have given him lepbonic plague. This weapon, at least, is as successful as we had... I peered down at the earthling suspiciously. His clothes were disarrayed and torn. I pointed at a speck on his uncouthly hairy chest. And what is that? I snapped at Baron Darl. He bent down to see what I indicated. It seems to be one of the fleas, he told me. Then what is it doing on its back with its feet up in the air? It seems indisposed. It seems dead, you numbskull, I roared at him. After biting this earthling, your fleas have died. In a high rage, I strode up and down the clearing, trying to coordinate my thoughts to the point where I could make an intelligent decision on this situation. Obviously, a crisis was at hand. Using these weapons devised by our scientists, after detailed instructions on their construction by Baron Darl and his group of efficient experts, would obviously be suicidal. They were completely worthless. I came to a snap conclusion. Our plan must be to reveal ourselves to the earthlings as Martians and pretend to come bearing them only goodwill and desire for peace and commerce. A few months on their planet, closely, but unbeknown to them, studying their life form should give us ample opportunity to plan more effective weapons against them. This, then, was my decision. I snapped to Baron Darl. Awaken the Earthman! Tell him that we are Martians and that we seek peace with the inhabitants of Earth. There was some difficulty in the awakening, but finally Baron Darl succeeded. The earthling shook his head groggily and scowled at my interpreter. The following conversation ensued. Baron Darl, awaken, we have a message of great importance for you. Earthling, huh? Baron Darl. We have a message for you. Earthling, rolling over on his other side. Oh. Baron Darl said impressively, In the name of the Most High, the Glorious, the Omnipotent, Omnipresent, and Omniscient, the Lord of the Seven, 
the leader of the Chosen, Neo Geek 38, we bring you greetings from the Martians. Earthling. Huh? Baron Darl. We Martians offer you the friendship and the goodwill of a people that... Earthling. Martins? Are you and Martins? Baron Darl. That is correct. We Martians come with the greetings and... At this point, your omnipotence, my account must of necessity be somewhat vague, for even after we had made good our escape back to the space cruiser, bearing our more serious casualties with us, we were unable to agree among ourselves on just what had happened. Baron Darl, who is now under arrest, and in the darkest recess of the space cruiser 12B-44, laden down with chains, is of the opinion that the Earthling was none other than either Superman or the Lone Ranger in disguise. He contends that both of these Earthling warriors are prone to adopt disguises in this manner, revealing themselves only at the last moment to their enemies. Suffice to say, however, that we were all successful in making good our retreat to the space cruiser, although all of our equipment and supplies were destroyed in the melee. Upon regaining the spacecraft, we blasted off hurriedly to return to our sacred planet. I recommend, Your Omnipotence, that the plans to subjugate the planet Earth be indefinitely postponed in view of the fact that our specially designed weapons prove worthless, and in particular view of the abilities of Earthling warriors. I further recommend that the unspeakable Baron Darl who obviously frittered away his time during the decal spent on Luna, supposedly studying the Earthlings, be sent to the Nerebus salt mines. Obediently, Seagill Wan, Commander, Space Cruiser 12B-44. Ma and Pa Coy and Hank and Zeke came back into the clearing wearily. The boys had done a lot of tramping and were hungry for their vittles and Ma was feeling bodacious about their taking off to go hunting for Martins. Pa had told her to shut up two or three times, but it hadn't been much use. Lem was sitting on an upended mash barrel, loading his old shotgun and grinning vacuously. He seemed unaware of the fact that the stock of the gun was a splintered ruin. Guess what, Pa? he yelled. I got me a Martin. I got me a whole passel of Martins, Pa. I sure did. Yup, I... Pa Coy grunted and started poking around in the vittles Ma had brought up from the cabin. The boys leaned their rifles up against the oak and each picked up a handy fruit jar of corn squeezins. Hank said nastily, Sure you got a whole passel of Martins, lamb. In your sleep you got a passel of Martins. Lem said belligerently, Don't you go a-talkin' that away, Hank, or I'll, I'll throw you up into the tree the way I did that time you hit me with the axe. I did so get me some Martins. I was a-sittin' here when a whole passel come out in the woods. Didn't know they was Martins at first. And then... Ma Coy handed him a chunk of corn bone. Now, you be quiet, lamb, and eat your vittles. Sure you got yourself a Martin, lamb. A thin trickle of brown ran down from the side of Lem's mouth. 
He spit on the ground before him with an air of happy belligerence. I sure did, Ma. I sure got me a passel of Martins. Yup, I sure did. The Martians and the Coys by Mac Reynolds. Reynolds was once voted the most popular science fiction author by the readers of Galaxy Science Fiction magazines. In 1983, Reynolds was recovering from cancer surgery when his new agent negotiated a new book deal. The New England Science Fiction Association invited him to be their guest of honor at their upcoming convention. Reynolds died three weeks before the event on January 30, 1983. He was 65. You will hear more science fiction stories written by Mac Reynolds on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. One of his stories, A Zlore for Your Trouble, is available now at LostSciFi.com for only 97 cents. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing. And we thank you in advance for your ratings, reviews, comments, and suggestions. Send us an email anytime at Scott at LostSciFi.com. We will continue to bring you Lost Sci-Fi short stories every week. Subscribe today so you'll never miss a new episode. Next week on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast, evil creatures from the land of darkness on the other side of the moon are coming for his daughter. They were headed for Mars, but crash-landed on this moon of Jupiter's. A thousand colonists trying to contact the Earth trying to survive. Will her father save her from a fate worse than death with his huge part-human war machine? Find out next week on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.